every life has a story. And every story is worth sharing. Your story, my story, and our story speak of victory and defeat, joy and sorrow, resilience and vulnerability. They are not just our story. They are Christ's story in us. They are Kingdom Stories from Down Under. Last week, the Lord led me to walk into a cafe and also next door to it into a ministry. And uh, I heard wonderful things about both about the cafe and the pantry next door. And I didn't know much about it. And in there, I met a really beautiful soul, a champion who has a heart to see this city blessed and the many families and individuals who are struggling to make ends meet, uh, to make sure that they have food in, on their table. Uh, I was touched by the ministry, but I was touched by the heart of this beautiful lady. And tonight, with me in the studio, we have the privilege of having Bev Woolhouse. Bev, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Yeah. It's interesting, you know, we do so much in the city, and I'm sure we've crossed paths before somewhere, but somehow we avoided each other. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, you know, we, but the moment we saw each other, we connected powerfully in the spirit, and it was, it was a joy to see what you were doing there, and we'll get to that a bit later. But it was joy, a joy for me to see that you were doing it extremely well. Not just doing it, you know. I've seen people do a lot of things, um, not with excellence, because it's charity. Yeah. Whereas you're doing charity with excellence. Oh, thank you. Which is impressive. But let's wind the clock back a little bit. Just a few years. <laughs> not too far. <laughs> just a few years. Born in Perth. I was. Yes. I yeah. Was, yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, your parents? Where, where are they from? Are they English? Um, my parents, my father was Irish and my mother was um, English. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, pretty Did they come out or their parents? Um, their parents, yeah. Okay, so yeah. a few generations. That's right, yeah. Okay, yeah. so you were born in Perth? I was born in Perth, um, pretty dysfunctional family, like a lot of people. <laughs> um, alcohol? Or? Yeah, alcohol. So they were both um, alcoholics and then um, their dad left when I was eight and... Um, oh. So that left room for um, to you know, be sexually abused by um, a man who lived in our street. So it was like a, a childhood that you wouldn't want, but who, you know, now I know, I've, I hear so many stories and so many people have had the same things happening. So thanks a new story, but it's um, a story that you have to deal with as you're growing up and it tends to lead you on all different strange areas. How many siblings? Three, yeah. Younger, older? Um, I'm the youngest. Yeah. You're the youngest? Yeah. What area did you grow up in? Victoria Park. Big Park. Yeah. And mum, difficult to, to um, deal with all this that was happening to her? She just couldn't cope. You know, she, um, you know, she'd had a difficult life herself. Mm. As we know, it sort of goes in generations. Were they married? They were married. <laughs> they were actually married, yeah. Yeah, they were, yeah. And when you were eight, he left and he left for good? Or he, he would come on visit? Um, no, he sort of left for good, yeah. He, he ran off with someone else at the time. Did you, do you have good memories of him being around? Um, no, not really. Like playing or taking no, you out? No, no. Just, yeah. just a lot of hard just, punishment, just tough? A, just 
he was unemotional. He couldn't show emotion. I'm, I'm sure deep down he did love us. Of course. But he just didn't know how to show it. So mm -hmm. it came out in pretty dysfunctional ways. Yeah. We, we made it up when he was dying. Oh, that's yeah, nice. Yeah, so before mm -hmm. he died, we, we got it all together and he gave his heart to Jesus. Wow. Yeah. It's a good, <laughs> a good finish. Good ending, yeah. And then you you had some traumatic experiences um, with a neighbour. Yeah, yeah, which um, yeah, from eight to twelve. So yeah, that was pretty. Um, you took advantage of the fact that dad wasn't home. Yeah. To with all of you? Uh, no, just me. Um, other sisters had different things happen, but with the neighbour, it was just me. Yeah. And your mum was she aware of it or not? Not until she was seventy-five. And I had so you, you kept it quiet? <laughs> I did because I, you know, I think we all sort of now I understand it a bit better. I sort of understand that for some reason we think it's our fault yeah. and we think we deserve it. And, you know, I've, I've obviously, you know, since I became a Christian and I've dealt with all of that, but at the time I just sort of, and it's also I didn't want to worry her because she had enough problems going on. So all, all sorts of reasons. So how did they eventually stop at 12? Um, I don't think you want to know. <laughs> I um, no, it's because it's interesting because yeah. sometimes these things don't stop unless you know um, they get in trouble, like they get found out. I went in. I went into his house. I broke into his house and um, I smashed up everything in his house. And then I thought, well, if you call the police, I might have them to tell them something as well. Yeah. Um, no word was ever said, nothing happened, and um, he stopped it. So you actually stood up? I did, yeah. Did. That must have felt empowering. It did at the time. I mean, um, I think I was really scared and everything else at the time, but um, it had to stop and I knew I was the only one who was going to be able to do it. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Did that affect you at school and uh, or were you still managing things all right? No, it affected you know, my whole life, really, until I actually became a Christian. Yeah. So what, uh, let's say later on in life, uh, when you came, let's say, in your 17, 18, 19, when you were dating? There's an issue. I, um, I also had an alcohol problem. I started drinking when I was 13. Mm -hmm. So, um, and when you start drinking at 13, you're... Don't care much about yourself. It opens the door to everything else. It does, and it did, and so um, sort of had a pretty. I couldn't have relationships with people. Um, yeah, just nothing seemed to work out. I sort of had a bit of a um, problem knowing how to relation, you know, how to work relationships. I didn't know how to love because I hadn't really been shown love. So mm. it was um, one of those upbringings that you sort of guess your way through it. And hope it's going to turn out okay. Did yeah. you finish school? I did. I, I went to um, what well, in those days it was. I was seventeen. It was called a leaving. I did my leaving, and I yeah, year I passed, twelve. Yeah, year twelve, and I um, passed that, and then I decided to become a nurse. Was it easy school for you, or was it a struggle? Um, it was actually. I was. I, I could do the work. Mm -hmm. um, I enjoyed actually doing the work, and I enjoyed studying. I think my biggest struggle was the fact that I was trying to cope with drinking and studying. Hiding it, and obviously. And having a dysfunctional mother. And Were you having friends 
uh, were you building some relationship with girls? I did have, I did have, yeah, friends. Um, but they were, you know, you hang around with people yeah. that you're, <laughs> you're familiar with, and so I, I hang around girls that were similar to me, mm-hmm. so that it felt familiar and felt comfortable. Yeah. yeah. And mum wasn't uh, altogether to to handle you in any way. No. So you basically were pretty much on your own. Yeah, from the time I was 13, I could go out and do whatever I wanted. Just there was a home to come back to and food, and that was it. Yeah, yeah. And your your older sister, how was she doing? Um, How are they doing now? No, how how was she doing at that time? um, She was doing the wrong thing. They were older than me, so they sort of left home really quickly. Big gap? Yeah, there was a big gap. So there's three of you? Yes. So um, there was a big gap. So they sort of tended to, they left home a lot earlier than me. So I sort of stuck at home. Were they keeping in touch? Were they coming home? Um, you know, they were coming home and things like that. But, you know, it wasn't a place that we really wanted to come home to. So um, we sort of drifted apart. My elder sister got pregnant and got married. And then my other sister married someone she didn't really love. And, you know, it yeah, you know, you can just see a just pattern. Messy, you can messy. just mess you, and you see the pattern. Now I can see the pattern. Yeah, yeah. Hindsight, spiritual hindsight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so you went to nursing school. Yeah, I did. I did um, four years. So you did register nurse. Yes, I did. And then um, as soon as I registered, I knew I didn't want to do that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> After all that, <laughs> tough. Is that a whole thing of you know when you're unstable? Yeah. You don't fit anywhere. It's amazing that you did finish, though. Yeah, I did because I'm determined, mm-hmm. and I um, I like to if I start something, I like to finish it. But I, yeah. I realized that um, I didn't want to nurse. I I didn't have the compassion or the heart for it, um, which is surprising. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't have guessed. <laughs> and um, so then I just went off and I did, you know, a whole pile of different other things. I did dental nursing. I did. I just drifted from one job to another. And then I um, had a bit of a mental breakdown and I was in a, a mental hospital for two years. Mm-hmm. So um, there's a hospital that we weren't allowed to have any drugs. We had to, um, not therapy. even a Panadol. Cold therapy. Yeah, and we did a lot of therapy. So it was a lot of, um, you know, really facing problems and, you know, trying to work things out. Was and that bad or in a way that um, was good? It was good. Yeah. It, you know, I, I had been suicidal. A lot of healing. Yeah. Well, I had been suicidal and that's what got me into the hospital. And I'm lucky I had a great psychologist at the time and um, we worked through it all. And um, and in, and by that time I had actually got married and had a baby and the baby was in the hospital with me. Oh. Yes. Brooke. <laughs> yeah. That's fine. <laughs> So she was actually in the hospital with me, and um, so that was great. And um, we just so your husband. How did you meet him? Um, I just met him sort of on a blind date. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah, that. Didn't and you got married? I did. Yes. Yes. Were you understanding love at the time, or still no, very, very, very vague? Just yeah. Was he drinking as well? Um, no, he didn't actually drink that much. I was still drinking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he didn't mind. Um, I was functional. Um, I was pretty functional. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you could at least keep it together. Yeah, I think I kept it together really well. So what? Uh, so you had Brooke. Was it uh, postnatal depression that triggered? No, not really. It was just um, I wouldn't say it was postnatal depression as such. I think it was just a build up of yeah. all the years and still feeling inadequate. Um, 
feeling like now I had a child and nothing had changed, you know. I felt like I had my back against the wall a little bit and um, I wasn't getting along with my husband at the time and really stressful. And so I think I just thought it might be easy not to be around. Um, and, yeah, so I ended up in the hospital. Did you check yourself in or did no, you attend? No, my psychologist put me in. Okay. Yeah. And you went with it? I did. Um, I tried to... <laughs> Tried to escape. Yeah. <laughs> um, but after a few days, I just realized that I needed help. And so I actually. And it was great that they allowed the baby to be with you. Yeah, she was with me. Yeah. So um, she'd go off on weekends to see her dad, but she actually stayed the time with me. So she would do all the therapy sessions with me. And I um, knew she was just a baby. So. She was two. Yeah. And it wasn't like, it was just like talking and, yeah. you know, in, sort of releasing emotions, which. Um, She'd often just fall asleep. Hmm. Yeah, so. Well, you'd, you'd become more peaceful while you're releasing all those <laughs> toxic <safer>. emotions. <laughs> That's right, yeah. And you felt uh, that you were coming out of that darkness in that time? I did, yeah. Mm -hmm. I could see, I, I knew that um, it was time for me to move on. It was time, we sort of, you know, it was a, um, the community would release you, actually, yep. not the psychologist. Um, yep. And I just knew it was time to leave and I just thought, you know, what am I going to do for money? So um, I decided to go and learn how to teach aerobics. Wow. So um, I got my certificate and I found a hall and I hired a hall and um, started teaching aerobics. Entrepreneur. Yeah, 16 times a, a week. And Wow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So you built up a business. I did. I built up, and it was it was two dollar coins, and I go home with a big basket of awesome. two dollar coins, and um, but that helped pay my rent. And well, it know. wasn't like Facebook was around or any other marketing. So no. how did you, how did you find your clients? Did you advertise in the paper? Um, not really. It mouth? was just word of mouth. I just um, it was in it was in Belmont actually, and um, it just just grew and just kept on growing, and it was it was good amazing. value. It was. <laughs> <laughs> it was, and I enjoyed it. And then, so you must have been good at, at it as well. I was. I think I, once again, you know, that when you're driven, you want yeah. to be the best at what you do. So, um, yeah, I, I did. So when you came out of the hospital, you went back to your husband? No. By that time, we'd separated. Okay. And, um, yeah, we'd gone our separate ways, and I had Brooke, and we were... Um, yeah, just trying to work it out. Um, but then he decided that he sort of didn't want to see her for quite a while. So he sort of, um, for four years, he, she, um, Brooke wasn't in his life. For how long? Four, four years. years, yeah. Mm -hmm. And so I um, just managed being a single mum and just did what I had to do. Mm. Yeah. Wow. So what happened next? <laughs> So you, you're doing yeah, your... Yeah, and then, I, um, then I, I was renting a house in, um, in Inglewood then by the, the stage and I, um, we went past a building. There's a, a little shop next to this building and um, I went in, it was owned by the bank, so I went into the, to the bank and I said, oh, what's happening with that little building? And they said, oh, nothing. And I said, oh, could I rent it for $100 a week? And they said, yes. I mean, it was just weird. And yeah. I, they said, yes. And I said, okay, then. So I had this, I decided to start up a recycled shop. Mm -hmm. and clothing? Yeah, clothing. So I just started up this, and well, it went just crazy. It was just like unbelievable. And um, a bit of hip hop, Inglewood, Mount Lord, Highgate. <laughs> 
it was just insane and people were bringing in their clothes and I was recycling them and um, it was just going really, really well. Are you good at sewing as well? Could no, you, could you I couldn't do alterations do anything. or anything? No, no, I couldn't do anything. Just wash and iron. I can't even cook <laughs> <laughs> to this very day. I don't cook. Um, but yeah, I just it just went well and then um, then that's when I got into New Age. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so um, the, the boutique actually became clothing but it also became very crystals much a lot. crystals and um i um i at the time i had an ability if people came and left me their jewelry i was able to tell Read. them yeah so i did it for free i thought i was doing this fantastic thing for free and at the end of every um message i'd give someone i thought you know god bless god loves <laughs> you <laughs> enemies are funny thing isn't he yeah yeah and um, and I felt like I was doing something really fantastic. And then it was only when um, I'd had that for about five years, the boutique, mm -hmm. um, and it was going really well. And then it were you reading stuff on uh, on New Age? Were you consuming? Oh, I was absolutely consumed by it. Okay, yeah. so you were reading, you were listening, tapes, everything. Absolutely, yeah. Sucked and into that world. Absolutely. And then I met I met my now husband. Um, I sucked him into it as well, and um, we started New Age at the markets. We had New Age shops or markets, yeah. and um, we ended up with about three New Age shops. Um, and it wasn't a nice time in my life, though. I actually felt quite—I don't know—if the word was dark, mm -hmm. and depression started coming back, and I just didn't feel good about myself anymore, and. Um, I just thought, oh no, it's happening again. It's, you know, I'm going downhill quickly. And then um, a girl came into my shop and she had a brochure and she just put the brochure on the desk. And I just quickly glanced at it and I, and I thought I read, um, come and find your spirit guides, discover your spirit guides. And if you know anything about New Age, it's a bit crazy, but I, um, I thought, oh, spirit guides, I've only got an Indian and a nun. I might go get some more. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so I went off to this place and um, it was, I don't know, it was Riverview Church. It was called Rayma at the yes. time. Yeah. So I went in there and I went into this room. There's all these people sitting down and I went in there and anyway, this man's talking and saying, oh, you know, welcome to <clears throat> discover your, um, the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and I said to the lady. That was not in the brochure. <laughs> said to the lady next to me, oh, I thought it was my spirit, guys. I think I might be in the wrong room. And she just looked me dead in the eye and she said, I think you're in the right room. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I sat there and I listened and I thought, oh, goodness sake, when's this going to end? I want to get yeah. out of here. And um, did I end up here? <laughs> so this I, is a cold. I know, it was just so really weird. And that's exactly what I felt. I yeah. felt like this is some weirdo place, you know. So. I am weird, but these guys are <laughs> yeah. worse than me. <laughs> So funny. Then I went back, and the girl um, who left the brochure there, she said, um, "She said, oh, did you go to it?" And I go, "Yeah." I said, "But I went to find my spirit guides." And I said, "They're talking about the Holy Spirit." And she said to me, "She said, I think what you should do is why don't you come and meet my friend? Um, he's a pastor, and you know, come over to my house for dinner." So you know, I went over there, and um, this guy's name is Pastor Rick Lund, who, who's um, a good friend now, and he said to me, he said, you're not talking to God. 
I said, yes, I am, because he says, you know, God bless everyone and God loves you and stuff like that. He said, he said there's a counterfeit. It's called the devil. And you're speaking straight to the devil. Wow. And I was like in shock. Like, I said, no, I'm not, no, I'm not. And he said, you are, but something inside me clicked. And I just knew, like, I knew that he was right. Yeah. And he said, do you feel like you want to give your life to Jesus? And I said, yes, straight away, no <laughs> hesitation. And, um, Yes, I just gave my life to Jesus, and that was about 26 years ago. Wow, yeah. at that dinner table. Yeah, yeah. And it was a battle because um, of the world I'd been in. Um, they don't sort of like to let you go. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah, no, there's it, a fight. And yeah, yeah. There's it a, a lot of gripping. Yeah, it was a bit traumatic, but um, he would just say to me, um, just plead the blood of Jesus, you know, like, and, you know, about Jesus. So I was walking around the house, it was like saying, bloody, and I didn't even know what to say. So I was just saying, blood of Jesus, Jesus, blood, blood everywhere. <laughs> and, um, but it but worked. It worked. <laughs> <laughs> it well, everything worked. else worked your age. Surely this was going to work. So true, it just worked. And I just felt this peace would come over me. And um, yeah, then it was just a matter of just moving forward. Wow. And uh, what happened with, so how old was Beb by now? Brooke. Uh, Brooke, sorry, yeah. 10, um, 12? She was um, about 10 and she was actually, unfortunately, I got her involved in all of that. I'd had people, you know, shamans coming around to the house and doing all sorts of stuff and um, she got involved in all of that, which was um, pretty horrible for her. Um, but once I became a Christian, um, I asked her to go to Riverview with me and she did and um you know what, you know, and no, she was about, she was, she was about 15 then. Okay. And she, um, you know, she'd have her arms crossed and I think, oh, this isn't going well. And anyway, but a friend, a friend of hers just asked her that about two weeks later to go to um, Victory Life. Yes. She went and she got saved. Wow. And then she came home and she said, um, I don't want to do, she was doing um, journalism. She wanted to go and do journalism at uni. Yeah. And she said, I'm going to Bible school. Wow. And it was like, and then my son became a Christian. What about your new husband? Where oh, so my he? new husband, because we were living together. So okay. we weren't married. Oh, you weren't married, yeah. Yeah, we were living together. And um, I said, if you don't marry me, we have to go our separate ways. Because Rick, I mean, if Rick told me to do whatever, Rick told me I had to get rid of all the new age things yeah, yeah. I did. Yeah. Rick said to me, you've got to get rid of Anthony. If you don't, you don't if you won't marry, you have to get rid of him. So I yeah. just said to Anthony, um, if you don't marry me, I have to, you have to go. <laughs> and he goes, oh, because he's eight years younger than me. Oh. So he was only a baby. So um, he goes, oh, okay then, I'll marry you. So, um, and now we've been together for something like 30 years or something. But, <laughs> but he said, yeah, okay, then I'll marry you. And then he became a Christian before we got married. And we, oh, yeah, wow. Yeah. So. so you were the stumbling block for your family. <laughs> God had to take the strong man of the house first. Yeah, so it was um, just it was quite a miracle. In other but ways. it was real for you. It was real. You knew because I, you knew the darkness. Now you you saw the light. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. It was. Um, you felt the release. You knew this was God. I just felt um, totally different from the inside out. I could. I felt lighter. I felt. I had a friend for the first mm -hmm. time ever. Yeah. You know, Rick said he's your friend and, you know, the Holy Spirit, you can talk to him. And I've never had that. So it was like um, I had a best friend. Wow. And I just would talk to him mm -hmm. all the time because it was just, I thought everyone did that. 
Yeah. It was only as I got to be an older Christian that people said they don't actually yeah. talk to Jesus like that. So um, I guess having come from that new age, I looked at things a lot differently. Yeah. Beautiful. So um, did uh, Brooke come back to Riverview or did she stay? At no, Victory she Life? stayed at um, Victory, Victory Life. Life. Yeah, and that was that Victory Life that she actually met Dan. Um, okay. Or they were at a conference and they met each other. And oh, nice. um, yeah, so. Yeah. And what were you doing? Were you still nursing or you never did no, nursing? No, I never did nursing after. I, I just started my own businesses all the time. So I just so after on. the New Age shop, what did you do once you got rid of all Well, that? I kept the boutique. So oh, I you got kept rid the of So I just kept so the boutique. It. Yeah, and I just made it into new clothing and, yeah. and changed it. I mean, people in the neighbourhood must have <laughs> thought I was an absolute weirdo one day. <laughs> weird, <laughs> weird one day and one day weirder the next. <laughs> Bible verses. <laughs> and it was so funny because every day I'd be reading the Bible, yeah. you know, so I had the Bible on my, so I'd gone from one extreme to the other. You lost a few clients, I'm for sure. <laughs> I did, I lost a lot of friends. Yeah. I oh, did friends, lose a lot yeah. of friends, yeah. And some jewellery. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, I just kept on um, doing that and then I just got involved in a few other types of different businesses and, yeah. Making money wasn't difficult for you? Um, not I, I've always had an entrepreneurial spirit yeah. and I've always sought to do things that people didn't do. And my after the boutique, I, um, I went and worked in a funeral home and um, that was interesting. But you had the work ethics. You were putting in the hours and the time and the energy. Oh, absolutely. So when I was working for the funeral home, a, a job came up and everyone said, don't take that job. It's the worst job ever. No one makes any money. And I just felt like, in the funeral homes? Yeah, and it was, um, you know, it was selling prepaid rooms to people. And yeah. um, anyway, I just genuinely loved it and I just genuinely loved the fact that I was helping people put their plans, you know. I don't think it's hard to sell that. I, I, I think it's quite easy to sell that. Well, it wasn't. Everyone, everyone said that's And I just felt like, Oh, it's know, like real estate. Oh, well, well, it is. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Well, that's what they're buying. You're buying a plot. I mean, that's that's the biggest experience. Yeah, and yeah. they were they're saving so much money because they were they they because the prices go up and, the and it makes them up. think about their death. You're actually ministering to them. It, it was. I mean, it was, and I mean, I in some cases, you know, um, because I was a Christian when I went into their house and they're having issues with their or hadn't talked to their daughter for ten or fifteen years. Yeah. You know, I actually talked to them about that and. Yeah. Often, you know, it's we would talk about forgive, you know, forgiveness and what that might mean, and so, and I did particularly well at it financially. I was the highest paid consultant in the whole of the Australia. Wow, um, it was commission based, was it? It was, and um, but I also worked at night um, when people died. I'd go and take them into our care, so I worked all day and all night, and then. Oh, you, you did develop some skills. <laughs> I did. And then one day I was driving down the street with my partner. We were going to pick up someone who passed away. With and a I van. saw a shop. In a van, in a van. I saw a shop. And the I silver said, van. Yeah. <laughs> and we went to Murdoch Hospital and I was, there, was a, there was a magazine there and it had this machine there. It was called a Vibrogym. And it was about how when the astronauts come from um, space, they have to they lose all their muscle tone. Yeah. So they have to have these machines. They'll get onto these machines. They're from in Germany. And they get into these machines and it would rebuild their mm. muscle tone. Just shakes you. Yeah, and they were $27,000 each. At the time? Yeah, at the time. And anyway, um, I, I got home and I said to my husband, I think I'm going to buy one of those fibro gyms. And then I said, you know what? I saw a building down the road. I said, I think I'm going to start a gym and I'm going to get all these fibro gyms. Yeah. So I did. 
disruptive technology. <laughs> so I was the first person in Australia to have all these... Vibrators, immense, full size, shaking machines. And they were the best thing. I mean, we just attracted so many people. But they were brilliant. They were actually working. They actually worked. They, yeah. I mean, we trained people. So we mm. had to train people and it was hard work. So I had my job as a consultant, my job, you know, helping pick up people who passed away. And then I had the gym as well. So I was like working like 24-7. That's yeah. very courageous. Because the capital investment would have been quite substantial. It was, and it was a risk. Did they give you terms? Could you buy higher than? No, no you had to buy them up front. No. My, well, my husband's really good like that. <laughs> <laughs> he said, if you think you can see it, you think you can see it working? I said, I just, I just will work. I'll make it work. And You'll then, make it work. <laughs> yeah. And then he actually quit his job and he came and did the training as well. And yeah. So we sort of built that up together. Yeah. Wow. Fantastic. Yeah. yeah. And um, Brooke met Dan. Brooke met Dan. They got married. Yes. You didn't have any more children. No, no. And uh, that that's beautiful. And what you were doing the gym, you were doing the funeral home. Uh, you, did you get involved in ministry at Riverview? No, never. I'd stopped going to Riverview at that stage because then I decided to go to Victory Life because that's mm -hmm. where Brooke was going. And then yep. when Brooke and Dan got married, I decided to go to their church. Um, so Dan, Dan was at Victory Life or they just met there? No, they just met at a conference actually. Dan was yeah. at Dream Life with Steve? Ah, uh, yes. They okay. just evidently, the two of them just walked through the door and at the same time and they had their eye on each other yeah. and it all began from there. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So then you went to Dream Life? Yeah, I did. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So I got involved in um, network marketing. So um, I... I Seven years to So you up. sold you sold the gym? Um had a um I was really this is incredible because I was really, really worn out and I was tired and I would had enough. Well, I mean, there's only so much you can work twenty four seven. It it, it <laughs> was. I mean sometimes I didn't even go to bed at night, you know, it'd be three days without going to bed. And anyway, no Red Bull? <laughs> no. No, I didn't get into the Red Bull. <laughs> Lots of coffee. Lots of coffee, just caffeine and coke and <laughs> And then we had a, a stolen car come flying through the window right into the gym and destroying everything. destroyed everything. Insurance payout. No, because the guy came, the, the um, guy came, the guy who I was renting off the landlord came down. He said, Bev, he said, you look so tired. It was 2 o'clock in the morning or something. And I said, I, I really am. He said, if you want to get out of your lease, I'm happy for you to do that. Um, and it was a heritage building. And I said, this is going to take quite a while for us to rebuild it because it's mm. heritage. He said, if you want to get out, this is your chance. This is your chance. And I said, okay, I'm going to take it. So you so, sold the equipment? No, I kept it all. I've still got it. I don't oh. know what might, you know, who knows what's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> who knows what's going to happen? God, mate, you want to shake some people with it. Yeah, so, um, so I sort of was able to get out of that. And then I got involved in network marketing and that sort of gave me a residual income. So you, you were able to build that business, the network marketing yeah. business. Yeah, it took me seven years. Mm -hmm. but, yeah. And that provides some residual income on, now, on an ongoing, still does. It, yeah, absolutely. Well, I wouldn't be able to do what I'm doing now. So it still does. And do you still have to spend a lot of time there? Or oh, I don't spend a lot of time More there. training? More, yeah. I, I do a lot of Zoom trainings and um, do a lot of presentations via Zoom now. It's a lot different now because of COVID. We, yeah. you know, we used to go and meet. 
but in a way it's good because <laughs> it, it, now people accept you know oh. I, I have preachers come on zoom so it's fine you I know? know i can have somebody from the states without having to fly them here you know i know it's so <laughs> it's so good it's like uh, been in a two blessing. Weeks, and, and two weeks i'm speaking in malaysia to a massive conference you yeah. know and i'm here you know? I, know. I don't even have to dress up <laughs> just have a shirt yeah exactly i can change the background <laughs> you know i can change my face <laughs> Put a moustache on if I wanted to. And then when we um, do Zoom at 2 a.m. in the morning, I send my pyjama pants yeah, on and I'm like, <laughs> soon on. So, yeah. yeah. That's yeah. good. Yeah. Tell me about the pantry. How did that start and what um, happened there? Well, Brook and Dan were really, um, they were, that church had gone through a, a transition and, and I, I could feel like they needed some help. So yeah. I said to them, look, I can come and volunteer some time, you know, and I'll just be your go-to person. I'll run around and I'll clean and I'll do all the things that, you know, you guys can't do. And um, you know, so they were really grateful. And at the back of the offices, there was a door that led into what was known as the pantry. Yeah. And um, I knew it was there and um, I would see all these people lined up for food. And, you know, the trouble is sometimes when you've had a dysfunctional background and gone through being a single parent, you want to leave it behind. Yeah, you don't want to go to that environment. I, I don't want the pain again. I didn't want to think about the pain that they might be going through. So and the I stories totally and cut hearing off. their world. No, so yeah. I totally cut off and I went into Dan's office and I said, you know, and please forgive me for the people out there. Please forgive me for, <laughs> for what I'm about to say. But I, um, I just said to Dan, like, you know, all these people, you know, I said, it's just so many people and, you know, you're not going to be able to help everyone and, you know, it's so demanding on, you know, I said, I can you should close the pantry down. And Dan sort of um, started laughing and he said, Bev, you know, um, as Christians, that's just what we do. You know, yeah. we, give, we give food. I you, go, don't, oh. you don't have a choice. <laughs> I go, oh, okay, I get it. And anyway, it was only two days later, um, they had a cool room out the back and it broke down. Oh. And um, the girl came running up and there was nobody there. The manager who was there wasn't there. And she said, can you help me? So I went down into the cool room. And, um, it stunk. Uh, I just couldn't believe it. The mould on the food, it was terrible. It had been down for four days. Oh. Anyway, I said to her, look, I'll help you clean it out. We'll have to, it's going to take us hours, but it's just you and me to do it. God said, just like you're sitting there, he said to me, um, I want you to put all your time. I'm getting quite emotional, but he said, I want you to put all your time and energy into the pantry. Mm -hmm. And I thought, don't be ridiculous. Like, I don't want to do that. Yeah. I don't like it. I like glamour. I like makeup. <laughs> I like creams. And I'm selling. Yeah, I just like to go and have coffee. Yeah. And um, anyway. Anything but the pantry, Lord. <laughs> anyway, but I heard it again really clearly. Oh my gosh, because I think God has got a bit of a sense of humor. He does. And I thought, he's just joking. And then when he said the second half, he's not joking. This is what he wants me to do. So I raised up to see Dan. I said, Oh, Dan, I said, God's just told me he wants me to put all his time and energy into the pantry. Well, he laughed so much, he had tears running down his face. He said, Two days ago, you wanted to close it. Now you're <laughs> <laughs> Was he laughing or crying? <laughs> I just couldn't believe it. He said, you know, how amazing God is. So um, I just started to go down and I started to spend, you know, three or four hours a day, five days a week, and then it started to be eight hours a day. And then I was there every weekend and then I said to my husband, you know, we have to pull these walls down and clean it all up because I like organisation, I like systems. 
Yeah. And I said, I just want to transform the whole place. And, you know, I said, it's going to, it's going to be our money because Pancho hasn't got any money. So he said, okay, he's good like that. Yeah. <laughs> and so we, um, we transformed it all. And then. Um, what does he do, by the way? He's a truck driver. Truck driver. Yeah. Nice. Local or? No, he's away one week and home one week. So he goes east? Yeah, no, he goes to um, Kananara. Okay. Yeah. On big lorries? Yeah, yeah. Those big trains. Rod trains. <laughs> and um, anyway, in June of last year, um, Dan said to me, Bev, um, parents just got way too big. It's um, too many people are coming. Um, there's too much, there's a traffic jam every, every day. And he said, I really, we're going to have to, you know, close it down. No, oh. just close it down. He said, we're just going to have to um, close it down. Um, and by this time, God had transformed my heart. Um, <laughs> I just love the people coming. Um, I was just, I don't know where I got, God just filled me with grace that I'd never had before. And um, I just love them. I just said, Dan, I, I just can't do that. He said, well, if you feel like you want to take it on your own, you can. He said, but we can't really support you financially to do that. So I um, went home to my husband again. <laughs> As you do. <laughs> and I said. Um, That's why you need to have a husband. <laughs> I just realised that. Yeah. <laughs> and I just said, oh, I just, I know this God, God's given me a vision. He wants me to take it somewhere else. And I said. Would you be willing to, we might lose some money, we have to outlay some money, are you okay with that? And he goes, yeah, that's fine. Just If you think it's God, we'll do it. So I went back to Dan and I just said, I'm going to take it on. I, um, and anyway, that next two days I found a place on Delamata Road and I went up there and I just sat out the front and I was praying. And God said, this is it. It's on the hill. This is the one. It this is, is the on one. He yeah. said, because he said, you know, it'll be on a hill. And he said, this is the one. So I, um, I went up there and I, I prayed for the next few months, just saying, are you sure? <laughs> you have a question, God, yeah. like, are you sure? Are you sure? Because yeah. I really don't want to do this. Like, there's part of me that just didn't want to do it. And um, I just knew, like, I knew that I had to do it. So um, when I went, the real estate agent, he um, was pretty abrupt. Um, he had his arms crossed and didn't really want to sort of, you know, deal with me. And anyway, I just said to him, oh, look, um, I haven't got any money, but I'll, <laughs> but I'll get the rent paid. You'll never have to worry so about it. So what did you tell him you were going to use the pro uh, uh, The pantry. So it's going to be pantry. It's a not-for-profit. Um, it's going to be pantry. We're going to be, you know, getting people, giving them food hampers who are doing it tough. And he just said, look, I can't even take that to the landlord. He said he wants in a business that's been established for four years. Um, and I said, well, we've been established. What was there before? Um, it's been empty for three years. There was a curtain shop, but it'd been empty for three years. That's harsh. Yeah, and he said the landlord won't look at look at you. And anyway, how I, many square meters was it? Two hundred fifty-seven. Which is now split into two, two but yeah. Yeah, at the time, yeah. yeah. And I um. There's no rear yard or anything like that. There's nothing no, like that. no, just at the just, front of the car. Yeah, park. and I've got a bin area at the back. Okay. Yeah, and anyway, so I um. I just five year lease or I didn't have anything. He wouldn't, <laughs> he wouldn't, he wouldn't even look at me. So was so, it incorporated? Did you have a business? What was it? Uh, what was the pantry? Was it an incorporated body? Or was it, it was underneath the umbrella of Reality Church. Yeah, so it's underneath the umbrella. So, it was so the contract PMW. was going to be under Reality. Oh, well, Church. I had to know because I had to incorporate do all of it. that again. 
You had to incorporate the bantry. I had to, yeah. Had so no four-year history. No, didn't have anything. <laughs> anyway, so one day I was driving out of the church. I just wasn't, I wasn't going to give up. So yeah. I was driving out of the church and I heard God say, go right, go to Dalamata Road. So I did and um, the landlord was there. Oh. And he was doing something in the Please. garage. Yeah. And I said, you know, um, I don't know whether you're a Christian or not, I am. I said, God's told me this is my place. And I said, um, the land, the real estate agent sort of wouldn't sort of tell you about me, but um, I really need this place. And I said, um, I wish you would consider me. I said, yeah, no, I haven't got any money. I said, but I'm going to get it. It's going to come. Yeah. And he just looked at me as if I was a weirdo. <laughs> well, you were. <laughs> but he said, tell me more. Ah. So I told him a bit more, I told him a bit more, and then I just hugged him and I said, please, I need this place. And he goes, okay, let's see what we can do. And it sort of, you know, the lease got drawn up and history, I'm there. Nice. But I did have the vision. When I had the vision for the pantry, God gave me the vision that we would have a coffee shop and Mm -hmm. trying to be, you know. Self-sustained. Yeah, we felt like we needed to do that. I think that's very important. I agree with that. I I say to Small ministries, small churches, you know, you got to be self-sustaining. Tent ministry, you can only rely, you, you become so limited if you rely on donations. You do. Because then you, you rely on that handout. So your budget is just that. You, you'll never go beyond. That's right. So and you'll never also, step in your yeah, abilities. That's right. Whereas this way, you, you do well here, it goes well here. It's exactly so, right. Know. So, you know, um, I think to to rely on those things, um, I'm not a person who likes um, insecurity or yeah. instability, and um, I just wanted to know that money would be coming in to to, to you know make it work. And um, I rang up my girlfriend Darina, and I said, <laughs> I said I've just had a vision, and you're in the coffee shop. <laughs> and she goes, I'm there. <laughs> she said, if you had the vision, I believe it. Babe. She this said, is Darina Chrisan. Yeah, yeah. Do you know that we grew up together? <laughs> she told me. Yeah. So we grew up together. I was a youth leader for 17 years. Wow. So she's a product of, <laughs> of my teaching. <laughs> I tell you. In she, some capacity. She but she's is, got lovely parents she and a beautiful husband. And so, yeah, in fact, her uh, nephew works for us. In, uh, so her really? sister's son works for me. Really? In a business in oh, wow. Dutch. Yeah. Oh, she never told me that. No. So, yeah, we've done, we have, I've known Dorina yeah. all my life. Uh, well, all her life, pretty much, since yeah. she moved to Australia and Melbourne. Wow. Yeah. She... And with her dad, you know, her dad was my youth leader. Wow. And then I, he handed the baton to me. So we co worked together and then I wow. passed on the baton. Actually, uh, you know, um, Daniel's brother, Daniel Chrisanne's brother, yes. Marius. Have yes. you met Marius? I've met all the brothers. So Marius <laughs> was my 2IC in leadership. Oh, wow. And then he went to Potter's House and established the Potter's House Church in, uh, in Queensland, in Ipswich. Goodness. So he came back here. Yeah, so, yeah, Florin, all of them, they used to be in, in the youth. They played in the orchestra that I directed and I taught them <laughs> to play instruments and small world. It's just I didn't know. Dorina t- told me today. I said, "Do you?" I asked. I asked her. She said, "Come in and have lunch on me at at the pantry at Bill's Coffee there." I said, "Sure." She, I said, "Do you work there?" She said, "No, this is my business." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like a, 
So I said, yeah, of course I'll come, you know. So I wasn't aware, you know. Oh, Even wow. when I came in, I didn't know that. Oh. I thought it was the lady who was behind the counter that day. No. So I didn't know it was oh, actually wow. Dorina. Oh, wow. So such a small world. Yeah. Did she work with you in the multi-level marketing back in the she days did. as well? She did. That's how I met her. Oh, okay. Now it all comes yeah. together. Yeah. And isn't that funny though because um, we, I, I just, you know, I believe just God puts us together. Yeah. And it might not be for the immediate, yeah. but it's like long term. And so, you know, we've been friends for a long, long time and, um, you know, I, I sort of feel like, you know, she's had a lot of changes going in her life. Sure. And um, the minute I rang her, though, and I just said to her, like, I forgot a vision, coffee shop, there's going to be clothes in the middle, then there's going to be the pantry. Um, you know, without hesitation, she said, I mean, you know, and it's just been absolutely amazing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah she's Well, uh, I mean, I can see when I walked in the store, you know, that African sort of theme. Yeah. yeah. And also... I mean, the presentation is just super. I mean, the sandwiches and it's like you want to eat everything <laughs> on the menu. You know, you see them all in the fridge there and ready to be toasted and the coffee was yeah. good. I had a cup of coffee there. Yeah. But then next door is where the heart of the, the right. matter is. Yeah. So, you know, there's only a half wall of separation because to the top it's, it's yeah. good. So half of this is the pantry, half of it is the business, the marketplace side That's of right. thing. But in the pantry, you take goods that you receive food. Receive foods from um, perishable um, and non-perishable. Yeah, and we receive foods from Oz Harvest and Second Bite, and then we get the food in. Then we pack them into hampers um, with fruit and veggies and bread. And if we've got meat, we give meat or maybe dry goods, whatever we've got. And then it's a drive-through system, so people just have to drive up to the double doors and they just pop their boot. And we just pop the food into their boot, and um, it's just become a very much like a community. Yeah. Uh, people, we like I, you know, um, it's it's how God works on us is incredible. Like He's taken, you know, I think I was sixty four when He told me to do this, and now I'm sixty six now. <laughs> young, sixty six year old, <laughs> years just, young. Just blows me away that you know sometimes when we get into our sixties we think about our life and, we, and I think Life's just God starting. still wants to use me. He wants it's to use me. It's just started. Yeah, exactly. I mean, everything has deposited in you. What are you going to do with it? Take it to Pinaru? Yeah, exactly, exactly. I mean, how yeah. many dead dreams and ideas are buried there? Oh, absolutely. What a waste. It, and it, it really isn't. It? It's like God just sort of said, not only am I going to use you at, you know, 64, but I'm going to transform you. And he truly has like my heart and my passion for the pantry is um, I want to help these people, but I just want to see them not just help with food, but in all ways so mm -hmm. that eventually, you know, we can help them you know, spiritually. And, yeah. um, just so that. They, it's really important that even though they feel down and out, that we don't make them feel they are. So our whole mission is to um, show grace yeah. and to not judge. Mm -hmm. um, you know, some of these people can drive up in a $110,000 Land Cruiser yeah. and I can hear the volunteers going, oh, goodness, they, um, why are they here? And, you know, as soon as I hear it, I just say, we don't know their story. Yeah. And if you ask them their story, Two days' time, they're going to lose that car. Yeah. Or um, 
and people have or it may not be their car or oh, it could be a husband it, or it, a distant cousin or no, do you know what i mean no. or you never know or maybe they're handing it over to somebody else and i think people are too quick to judge yeah. and i think you know sometimes when it's like you you almost have a persona like an avatar but it's never that avatar it's never it's never. i mean broken people are on st george's terrace and wearing suits uh, and makeup and looking you know spot on exactly exactly yeah. and that's what you know we have you know people coming in i think there's a, a misconception about who the hungry are yeah people seem to think the hungry people are the people who don't work who are lazy who all these sort of um labels that they put yeah. on them and i've really tried to break that down and go oh, tell them ask their stories a lot well, of that's why god has called you because you see beyond that mm. and not everyone can see that no well god's Given me that. Yeah. You know. But let me tell you something. My father was an evangelist. My grandfather was a Baptist minister. Some third, almost fourth generation pastor. I've done charity work as a child in Romania with dad, going from villages, helping elderly people, visiting homes and so on. In 1997, I began mission work overseas. I've been to over 100 nations. Wow. Um, from the worst jungles, I'm talking, you know, sleeping with indigenous people and just having it really tough. But also here in Australia, I mean, I've, I've seen Food Bank, I've seen Oz with Harvests, a Second Bite, you know, all these ministries. We've had a massive ministry at church. We've, we've got a pamper ministry here. Let me tell you something. I've never seen anything that I've seen at, at the pantry, in the sense. I've never seen anything so organized, so clean, so well done. You know, it, it spoke volumes to me. You know, I haven't seen charity done with excellence, put it oh, this way. Thank you. you know, with dignity, with pride, healthy pride in the yeah. job. I mean, you know, a lot of the food that is given away in many organizations like, like this is so off mm. or so wasted or so ripe. That the moment you touch it, you can't use it. No, you can probably right. juice it, but that's about it. But I noticed that you thrash all of that, yeah. and what you put in the in the hamper is something that can be used. Something can, and just the way it's presented, the way it's put in the boxes, the way it's split, the way it's just mm. generated. But then the the cleanliness of of mm. the room, of the facilities, the organizing of the shelves, everything, it just speaks volumes. I I think you should teach. I think you should coach. You know, people into into doing charity work. I think we don't trade them. I think we're just happy that they come along and they do the best that they can. But we never reach for excellence. No, and they deserve excellence. People deserve, it does. People deserve. God deserves because oh, we're absolutely. actually washing their feet. We're serving those people. Absolutely. So might as yeah. well do it with excellence. Absolutely. When I, you know, it was one of the most, I said, if you, if you wouldn't eat that, don't put it in yeah. your box. That's right. And they go, oh, but they can cut that bit off and cut that bit off and they'd have this bit. No. And I go, no. Seriously? Right? I said, I don't want that. I want them to, when they get that box, go. And I always try and put in, like, because the kids come up, kids come in the car, so we always try and I've got boxes of lollies. So yeah. as soon as I see the kids, I say, are the kids allowed to have sugar? And they go, yeah. And kids, you know, our kids, my grandkids, are so used to getting, getting and receiving, which yeah. is, is fabulous. Which but okay. it's so great when you and they're saying, what, can I, mum, can I, mum? Oh, mum, she's going to give me an ice cream. Mum, mum. And like, 
Yeah. It's just unbelievable. And I think that's what keeps me going because it's not easy, you know. Oh, no, you know, it's, it's labor. Um, I mean, you're probably there 40 hours a week, 50 hours a week. I work 80 hours a week <laughs> for free. Hallelujah. <laughs> and that's, there's nobody there gets paid. So we yeah. literally all work, we're all volunteers. But yeah, 80 hours a week um, I put into it. But um, God's just given me a supernatural energy. Um, mm. At 66, I can run rings around some of the younger people. That's so. why you don't need those big gym machines anymore. <laughs> you know, the boxes, <laughs> lifting up the boxes and packing and unpacking. And it's like going to the gym every day. <laughs> More. Free. <laughs> yeah. Do you actually go next door to sit down and have a cuppa or you just get the cuppa and come back? Oh, Darina looks after me so well. Like yeah. she... Um, I've got a coffee every half minute, like, yeah, and um, she's always giving me giving me food, and yeah, she just really, really looks after me. I don't think I hardly ever sit down in a cafe ever. Yeah. But when I walk through that curtain, I just overwhelmed because people are coming into that place and going, "There's something different about this place." I don't know whether you notice, but it just feels like. Yeah, it's very homey. It's just, and it's like. I feel the same when I go to Kalahari as yes, I do when I yeah, come into there. Yeah. It's just so, why Bills? Who is Bill? Um, it's a long story. <laughs> okay. It's <laughs> <laughs> probably not interesting. No, 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 but I'm thinking uh, now. Now I'm yeah. thinking, why Bills yeah, Coffee? Bills Brews, yeah. 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 It's, yeah. That's all right. Man called Bill. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> Australian. Williams. <laughs> yeah. Bill. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All good. Yeah. So, um, What's next for Bev Woolhouse? <laughs> I, um, 25 years ago when I first got saved, um, clearly I heard that um, God would like me to have a healing ministry. Mm -hmm. And I've been not disobedient, but every time I think about it, it's just like I can't do it, I can't do it. I can't do that, Lord, you're asking too much of me. Um, but I truly believe that that's... That's, he said it would be a place on a hill. Yep. 25 years ago he said that. It would be a place on the hill. And um, I believe I want people who are coming and driving out and getting their food to come in and be able to talk to them and have a place where they can come in and have a free coffee and just start chatting with them. Um, I just want to see if, you know, what can happen when we, you know, hear their stories and listen to their stories and just, you know, say there is another way and it's Jesus. Um, I really believe that that's the whole idea of the pantry mm. comes back to that. So um, The pantry comes alive. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think a lot of people will get saved. It must be more. There must be more. There is, yeah. This is not it. No, it's just the beginning. So it might be 85, but I'll still be there. <laughs> no, not, not in hours, but I'm, I'm talking ministry. There yeah. must be, there must be, you feel that there is more, is it, don't you? I know that there's more and um, it's just now being obedient. Mm -hmm. um, I've um, just put in place our first um, June 6th, I think it is, um, we're going to be inviting people in um, and praying for them. So that's on June 6th. So. You're inviting people in to pray for them? Yeah. Okay. So, you have a team there ready? Um, a few. We've got one person. <laughs> Just starting with one person. <laughs> hey, it's a start. It's a start. When is it? Or what day is it on? Uh, the 6th of June, I think it is. It's a, a Thursday. Yeah, I think that was 6th. I'm not quite. First week in June, I think it's the 6th. I'm not quite sure. It could be the 4th. But yeah. I think the 4th or the 5th is a Sunday. Oh. Because I'm preaching down in Margarita. Maybe it's the 2nd. 
Yeah, second. it's the first week in June on the first Thursday of June. Yeah, yeah. it is the second. Yeah, okay. yeah. So that's when um, you know. And what time? And we're there from um, ten o'clock to twelve o'clock. Just a so when out. will the people come through? Um, we're just asking people from now on. If we're giving them a little flyer, just saying if you want to come in and um, tell us your story, have a cup of coffee. So we're just trying to get them into the coffee shop. And look, if you need me, I'll be there. Oh, thank you. Yeah. It's going to be tight because I'm taking that Friday <laughs> off. I'm taking the kids down to Margaret River. But well, I, I think I've got a, I, I have an 11 o'clock coaching session with a CEO from Romania. But I think between 10 and uh, 10.45, I can be there. We'll see who shows up and who doesn't yeah. and what it's going to look like. Oh, I'll just pull them in. Yeah. <laughs> I'll go. Well, all I can do is say, God, this was your idea. Yeah. You, you do you what open, you need to do. You open the yeah. heart and the door. Absolutely. And I think the free coffee is an incentive. Absolutely. And, yeah. you know, if they're just coming for the free coffee, they don't even know what they're coming into. So yeah. um, from then on, we can. I just want to hear the stories. Yeah. Yeah. And then go from there. Well, that's one thing I learned at Kingdom Stories from Down Under. Oh, To yes. listen. <laughs> to hear <laughs> Absolutely. stories. Absolutely. Here we are. <laughs> I think this was episode 80-something. So... It's good. I love it. I said to Paul, Paul is behind the cameras. I said to him uh, recently, I said, do you know how privileged we are? You know, we've listened to over 80 stories firsthand wow. from people. I mean, I said, most people in their lifetime don't hear these stories. I mean, Absolutely. We are, for me, it's a privilege oh. to do this, you know, it's, and for him as well, just to sit here, you know, you grow so much with these stories. And it's honoring to the person as well who's sharing it. It's, it's beautiful. We learn through stories. And I think people don't have anywhere to share their stories. A lot of these people, they need, they need someone to talk to. I really think that people now just don't think people care enough, you know, yeah. um, especially these people because they feel judged. Yes. And, and they are. They, they are. They, they are. don't just feel it. They actually they, are. They are. Um, yeah. And I mean, the people who are coming are like the other day a lady came and she lost her job. Her husband got sick. He lost his job and was in hospital for six months. Yeah. Um, they've got five foster kids. Wow. You know, you know and they're just doing It's like it you tough. want to take the hamper to them every day. Yeah, well, I said to her, just come every day if you need to. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, five kids Absolutely. is a lot. Absolutely. I mean, kids, yeah. 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 Amazing. So there are stories out there and I just think it's time that they get a chance to share them. And then we get a chance to um, share how possibly, you know, we know that Jesus Christ can make a difference. You know, I've got people in our church, and uh, I hope they don't mind me saying this, but they used to be at church friends, then they followed me at Wangara, they followed me here, and they come every Sunday night because we serve a hot meal every Sunday yeah, night. Yeah. After the service, we have a meal together as a church family. And... Uh, I know one of them doesn't want to become a Christian. He's totally against Christianity, yeah. but he'll come listen to the sermon. He, he'll compliment yeah. me on the tone of my voice, <laughs> on my etiquette, on this, you know, yeah, like public yeah. speaking. And then he'll have a meal. And I, I asked him one night, I said, look, you know, that's why you're still here. I know you, you don't want to become a Christian. You told me. Yeah. And uh, I understand, is it just the meal? He said, Nathaniel, it is the meal because this is the nicest meal I get because it's home cooked. Yeah. He likes a really nice meal. 
He said, Nathaniel, but it's not just that. He said, I'm lonely. Yeah. It's a big, big problem. Yeah. And yeah. then I realized that his story is, is real. And mm -hmm. There are many people like mm -hmm. that. They need a place where they can just be with people at the table. Absolutely. It's not yeah. just being with people, hi, hi, you know, shake hands before yeah. church, after yeah. church, and that's it. But there's something about being at the table, eating and having a conversation. I agree. It's, um, well, we know that one of the biggest problems is loneliness. And, um, and these, like, like a man, he doesn't cook much. No. So when he comes, the hampers are wonderful, but also a cooked meal, even if it's only once a week, it's a massive bonus. Do you, you ever know? wonder what God's got planned though? <laughs> oh, I'm sure he'll be safe. I'm sure he'll be safe. Like, I told I him. Just, you can just see God's yeah. sense of humor. Yeah, he's just coming for the meal. You can yeah. just sort of see what, yeah. what's going to evolve from that. It yeah. just always, I always just see that big picture. And I just think, wow, what a story that man's going to have. That's right. Yeah. Nothing. I mean, you can't plant the seed and not. I mean, there's so much watering. Yeah. <laughs> Eventually, he can't, he can't help but no, pop out. No, of the, something's you know. going in whether he sings it yeah. or not. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's good to see that um, you have a heart for this and also a heart for the future and that you want their holistic restoration, mm -hmm. you want their healing. And uh, to support also the ministry with Brooke and Dan, it, it's beautiful. Uh, you've inspired me and you've inspired me from the moment I met you at the, pro at the pantry and with the business they go. Now that I know that Dorina's there, I'm going <laughs> to make it a common practice to come and visit more often. Maybe we can extend the ministry into our church as well. But beyond that, I am just grateful to, to know you as a person. And I'm sure you've inspired many people out there with your story. So thank you so much. Well, thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed it. What a story, eh? I bet you didn't see that coming. Well, I didn't see that coming either. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us uh, tonight and I really pray that this blesses you and this inspires you and, uh, you know, just ignites you to do something amazing for God. It's never too late, whether you're in your 60s, 50s, 40s, even 70s or 80s. Just know that when you channel your energy and your passion into the assignment that God has for your life in this season, you will see God's blessing. And that ministry will just flourish and you will bless many, many people. Also, if you're in Perth, uh, do check out the pantry in Wangara, De La Matra Road, and uh, support this ministry. Um, find out how you can support it by volunteering, by donating, uh, even by distributing goods. Uh, just uh, become a partner in some way and bless this amazing ministry, the pantry in Wangara. Thank you so much. We hope to see you next time at Kingdom Stories from Down Under. I am Nathaniel Bastia. Thank you for joining us on Kingdom Stories from Down Under. We'd love it if you would subscribe, rate and share these stories with your wider community. And remember, every story is worth sharing, including yours.